Jesus said, when you pray, say, this is Luke 11, 2, when you pray, say, our Father in heaven, hallowed, holy, awesome be your name. When you pray, say, your kingdom come. When you pray, say, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Your kingdom on earth. I don't know why, but the church seems more infatuated of getting the church out of the earth than we do getting his kingdom to come on the earth. We need to shake that up a little bit. We need to stir that up a little bit. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And we've been talking for weeks and weeks and even months about the kingdom of heaven. And this was the message Jesus sent those disciples out. That they, He said, preach, saying the kingdom of heaven is near. The kingdom of heaven is here. And at one point he says, behold, the kingdom of God is within you. And so we've been looking and, and working and trying to study and understand about this kingdom because our theme this year is a king and his cause. And so a few weeks ago, we talked about when Jesus said, behold, the kingdom of God is within you. We talked about it as a kingdom of peace, a kingdom. He, he said, you're not of this world. I've chosen you out of this world. The kingdom is within you. And so in that kingdom, we find peace. We find, we even made the comment, is that me buzzing? Can we fix the buzz? Whoever's fixing buzzes around here, thank you. Uh, If there, we'll, we'll try it again. Thank you. And we'll just keep working on it, all right? But, uh, but, um, but this, so this kingdom that is within us is a kingdom of peace. And we can decree because we're not even of the world. I don't have a worry in the world. I don't have a care that I have not cast on him who cares for me. I take no anxious thought. I am blessed and not stressed. Jesus said, my peace I leave with you. And he, and he said, not as the world gives it, but I give it as, as my peace. And we know that when Jesus gave us his peace, the, the word there is irene. And the word literally means in the Greek, exemption from the rage. And we remember Jesus in the boat when the storm was raging. And he was asleep while the disciples were dying of fear, thinking they were going to perish. And they wake Jesus up. And uh, why did they wake him up? Because he was exempt from the rage. And that's the kingdom of God that is within you. And that's the kingdom of God that's within me. Then we talked about a kingdom of hope. And how we live in a world in a generation where right now half of the young people in the United States, half of the young high school students in the United States say they live with a constant daily sense of dread and hopelessness. And Pastor Messer said there is a dearth in the earth, a famine in the land of hope. And we talked about our God is a God of hope and this is a kingdom of hope. And that hope is an anchor that we hold and have for our souls. And then we talked about the kingdom of freedom where every power of the devil or darkness or demons is broken in the name of Jesus and by the cross and the blood, and we can truly live our lives free, not in captivity, not held bound, not in bondage, but a kingdom of freedom, freedom. And today, 
I want to talk about the kingdom of light. A kingdom of bright and light. And so in 1 John chapter 1 and verse 5, this is the message which we have heard from him and declare to you, here it is, that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. Light. And we read in the book of Revelation, as a new heaven and a new earth are made and as the heavenly Jerusalem glorious city comes and descends and finds its place in the new earth, we read this, Revelation 21 and verse 23, the city had no need of the sun or of the moon to shine in it, for the glory of God illuminated it. Watch, the lamb is its light. And Jesus said, and I am the light of the world, the kingdom a kingdom of light. King David would say in the 36th Psalm, for with you is the fountain of life. And in your light, we see light. In your light, we see light. The message says it this way, you are a fountain of cascading light, and you open our eyes to light. Now, the Hebrew word for light is the word ore, ore, and it means in the Hebrew language, illumination. It means bright and clear like the morning sun. For many uh, years, I've had the privilege from time to time of hiking. I'll, I'll drive my car up to Glenbrook uh, train station, and I'll walk up to Woodford train station on the old Oaks Fire Trail up there. I'm sure many of you have done that hike from time to time. It's a great hike for training, and it's 27 kilometers. It's a 1,000-meter elevation gain. But there have been times, my most vivid memories, walking, I think I've walked up there at least 20 times. And I think there, the, my most vivid memory is it, there's a point up there right at the top where on a crystal clear morning, I can turn around and the light is so perfect and the sky is so clear, I can literally see the entire Sydney skyline from up there. Illumination, light, bright and clear like the morning sun. A kingdom of light and insight is within you. A kingdom of clarity and lucidity. Lucidity is in you. It's in me. We read in Romans chapter 6 and verse 5. Oh, I love this. Each of us, that's you and you and you and me and you and you, each of us, and you there at home today, or you live streaming or, or watching or listening to us in a little while, you, each of us, is raised into a light-filled world by our Father so we can see where we're going in our new, our new grace sovereign country. Come on, you got to like that scripture. Come on, each of us is raised into a light-filled world by our Father so that we can see where we're going in our new grace sovereign country. 
from darkness to light, from blindness to sight. A light-filled world, a light-filled kingdom where we can see where we're going. Now, Paul would write these words to the Ephesian church. Chapter 6, verse 12. For we wrestle against. We wrestle against, but not against flesh and blood. Let's just establish that right now. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood. But we do wrestle against. We wrestle against, not flesh and blood, but principalities, against principalities, against powers, against the rulers, wait for it, of the darkness of this world against spiritual wickedness in high places. The darkness of this world and the dark powers that overshadow it and the wickedness in, in, in high places. From a kingdom of darkness to a kingdom of light. When Jesus confronted, converted, and called Saul of Tarsus on that Damascus road, as he had papers in his hands to go in and wreak havoc, when Jesus confronted him, converted him, and called him, he said to him publicly, what his life mission would be. This king laid before him his cause. And here is what Jesus says to Saul of Tarsus on the Damascus road. I send you to open their eyes, to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan, or as N.T. Wright translates this, from the power of the Satan to God. From, I send you to open their eyes, to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of the Satan to God. And Paul would embrace, he himself went blind with this light until that blindness left and sight came to him. And now he was to go and bring that sight. And he stayed faithful to that call and that commission. And he wrote these words to the Colossians in chapter 1 and verse 13. He said, he has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved son. He has delivered us from and transferred us to, from the domain of darkness to the kingdom of his beloved son. The New Living Translation says it like this, for he has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his son. We're seeing here two kingdoms. We're seeing here two powers. We're seeing the kingdom of darkness and the kingdom of light. We're seeing the power of the Satan 
and the power of God. We also see through the New Testament two fathers. Two fathers. And we read in James chapter 1 and verse 17, the father of light. There is nothing deceitful in God, nothing two-faced, nothing fickle. The father of light in whom there is no shadow nor variableness of turning, the King James Version says. The father of light. And then Jesus decrees in John 8 that the devil is a liar that when he speaks, is, when he opens his mouth, the language he speaks is lies. And he says, and the father of lies. The father's two fathers. The father of light and the father of lies. When we spoke a few weeks ago on the kingdom of, of freedom, the kingdom of casting out devils, we saw that he is also the Lord of flies and the kingdom of lies. So there is a kingdom of light, and there is a kingdom of lies. A kingdom of clarity, and a kingdom of confusion. And we know that God is not the author of confusion. And we read this. In 1 Corinthians chapter 14 and verse 33, God is not the author of confusion. No, the liar and accuser is the confuser. I don't know if that's a real word, but it fit what I needed to say. The liar and the accuser is the confuser. And we read this. We know that his lies, his lies provoke confusion. Confusion come from the lies. And we read, and, and, and let me show you how the domain of confusion works from James 3 and verse 16. For when envying and strife is, and of course we know that God's not the author of that. Where envying and strife is, there is confusion. And what follows? What follows wherever there is confusion? Every evil work. Every evil work is the outflow of confusion. And the kingdom of confusion has a name. Babylon. Babylon. The spirit, the mindset, the intent, the realm of Babylon began on a plain in a valley in the land of Shinar. And in Genesis chapter 11, the spirit of Babylon was born as a group of men decided to build a tower to overthrow God. The tower of Babel which became what we know today as Babylon. Babylon means confusion. Absolutely. 
And it's more than just a modern-day city in ancient Iraq. Babylon has been around from Genesis all the way up through till Revelation and everything in between. As a matter of fact, we read in Revelation chapter 17 and verse 5, and on her forehead a name was written. So like a mindset here, like a mindset. On her forehead a name was written, mystery, Babylon the great the mother of harlots and the abominations of the earth, every evil work. Babylon is proud and profane. It is a kingdom of narcissism. Babylon is a place of exile and captivity and confusion and chaos and just crazy. And Isaiah the prophet wrote these words in chapter 47 and verse 6. The Lord said, I was angry with my chosen people and I punished them by letting them fall into your hands. You see, the children of God moved away from God, and moved into idolatry. And the result of idolatry is always the same. It's exile. It's exile. Idolatry will always bring you into a place of exile and captivity. And the Lord says, I let them fall into your hands. He said, but you, Babylon, showed them no mercy. You said... I will reign forever as queen of the world. Pride. Pride is the hallmark. Pride is a key. Pride. Profane and proud. I will reign forever as queen of the world. God says you did not reflect on your actions or think about your consequences. What consequences? What consequences? And then God speaks straight to the dark heart of Babylon when he says, listen to this, you pleasure-loving kingdom. Babylon, you pleasure-loving kingdom, living at ease and feeling secure. You say, I'm the only one, and there is no one other. Narcissism. The King James says, I am, and there is no one else beside me. 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 I'm proud of me. Listen to this, you pleasure-loving kingdom, living at ease and feeling secure in your ease. And you say, you say, I am, and there is no other. You felt secure in your wickedness. No one sees me. There's no consequences for, for, for my wickedness. God says, but your wisdom and knowledge, you know, all that stuff that you've put together to justify your morality. He says, no one sees, but your wisdom and your knowledge have led you astray. And you said, I am the only one, and there is no other. I am. And there is none beside me because 
Well, it's all about me. I see me and only me. Do you like what you see? Just hit like. (laughs) The kingdom of Babylon is built on three lies that the serpent spoke in the Garden of Eden to Eve. Three lies. That serpent comes into the garden, and obviously he didn't look like a red-bellied black snake because he could just go in and he could carry on a conversation and whatever that the Satan spirit serpent. But he walks into that garden, and he says to Eve, Oh, oh, it's a shame that you can't eat of any of these trees in the garden. Oh, my goodness. I just can't believe I just, he'd plant this garden and he wouldn't, oh, no, no, she said. No, no, we, 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 we can eat. We can eat of every tree in the garden except that one. Except that one, because if we eat that one, we'll die. Oh, is that what he said? That one? That's the one. Oh, man. I can't, you, I, you, he told you no. Verse 4. Chapter 3, Genesis, the serpent said to the woman, you will not die. You won't die. Are you kidding me? You will not die. You know what? You know why you can't eat that tree? I'll tell you why. Because God knows that in the day you eat it, you will have light. Your eyes will open. And you will be like, like, like God, knowing good and evil. So, when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and pleasant and pleasurable to the eyes... And a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. And she also gave to her husband with her, and he ate. Three lies. Lie number one. I'm all about you. I'm all about, I can't believe that you would, I am, oh no, I am all about you. I don't want you to miss out. I want you to see, I want you to be all that you should be and could be. I want you to see, I'm all about you. Don't look at me as a thief who has come to steal and kill and destroy everything that's dear and near and precious to you in your life. No, I'm all about you. Lie number two. And you need to be all about you too. I'm all about you. I don't want you to miss out. And you 
need to be all about you. If it's good to you, if it's pleasant and pleasurable to you, if it's desirable to you, well, then you go, girl. Because it's all about you. Lie number three, God is all about himself. God's all about himself. All he wants to do, he wants you to miss out. He doesn't want your eyes open. He wants to suppress you and squelch you and stifle you. I'm all for you, and you do you, and he's all for himself. And the moment she believed it, Babylon was born. When the devil has the mic, you have a kingdom of bedlam and mayhem and madness. Welcome to Babylon, the kingdom of confusion, the culture of cray-cray. Now, I want us to go to Daniel chapter 4 and read an amazing account in the life of Nebuchadnezzar, who, by the way, was the king of Babylon. So he has a, a, a vision, a dream. And it's astounding, and it troubles him. Now, we won't take the time to read it all, but basically, in this massive dream, epic dream, he sees this tree that covers the earth. This tree with its boughs and, and, and it just covers the, the whole earth. It covers the earth. It's, it's lush. It's, a, it's amazing. It's stunning, this tree. And a voice comes from heaven and says, cut it down. But don't dig out the roots. Cut it down and leave the, leave the trunk of the tree there with a little sprout in it so that it can regrow. Now, he does not know what to do with this dream, so he calls for his magicians. He calls for his astrologers. And he, he explain, no one can explain to him this dream. And so he calls Daniel. And Daniel stands before him, listens to the dream, and he says, Sir, your majesty, you are the tree. You are this great tree that covers the earth. But God's going to cut you down, sir. And for seven years, you're going to live like the beasts of the field. But you will be restored after you learn that the king of heaven rules the earth. And then he says this, and I encourage you, your majesty, to humble yourself now before the mighty hand of God. 
but he doesn't. And a year later, he's walking in his palace. Well, let's just read it. Daniel chapter 4 and verse 28. At the end of 12 months, he was walking about the royal palace of Babylon. And the king spoke, saying, Is not this great Babylon that I have built for a royal dwelling by my mighty power and for the honor of my majesty? Proud narcissist. This is the spirit of Babylon. I built it. Look at me. Look at what I've built and it's all about me and I'm proud and profane and I'm proud of my pride and profanity. Verse 31. And while the word was still in the king's mouth, a voice fell from heaven, King Nebuchadnezzar, to you it is spoken. The kingdom has departed from you, and they shall drive you from men, and your dwelling shall be by the beasts of the field. They shall make you eat grass like an oxen, and seven times shall pass over you until you know that the Most High rules in the kingdom of men and gives it to whomever he chooses. That very hour... The word was fulfilled concerning Nebuchadnezzar. He was driven from men and ate grass like an oxen. His body was wet with the dew of heaven till his hair had grown like eagles' feathers and his nails like birds' claws. This is the psychosis of self-obsession. He went mad in the culture and kingdom of Babylon. And today, confusion is endemic. The world has never known a mental health crisis like it's experiencing right now. And madness has gone mainstream. And comply with the craziness or culture will cancel you. Yes. 2,555 days later, seven years pass. And we read these words. Verse 34. At the end of that time, those seven years, I, Nebuchadnezzar, raised my eyes towards heaven and my sanity was restored. Then I praised the Most High and I honored and glorified him who lives forever. My sanity was restored. How do we restore our sanity? Man, 
My sanity was restored. I got a haircut. I got a manicure. And I got off that vegan diet. His own words, verse 36. My sanity was restored. My sanity. Oh, my sanity was restored. At that time that my sanity was restored, my honor and splendor were returned to me for the glory of my kingdom. My advisors and my nobles sought me out, and I was restored to my throne, and I became even greater than I was before. Now, I want to show you the three decisions that Nebuchadnezzar made to regain his sanity. And these are his own words. Actually, the very next verse. The first thing he began to do to restore his sanity is he began to praise the king of heaven. His own words, verse 37. And now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and exalt and glorify the king. The king of heaven. Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth. I begin to glorify, praise, and exalt the king of heaven. Nebuchadnezzar lifted his eyes above himself, and he began to glorify the king of glory. To him be the glory. To him be the power. To him be the dominion. To him be the praise forever and ever and ever. And my sanity returned to me. What did Nebuchadnezzar do? What decisions did he make that made him regain sanity? He began to praise the king of heaven. Secondly, he acknowledged that God does everything right and all his ways are just. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and exalt and glorify the king of heaven. Why? Because everything he does is right and all his ways are just. From the wet dew of the grass on his bare feet to your word is now a lamp unto my path and a light unto my feet. And sanity was restored. From darkness to light, from confusion to clarity, from chaos to calm, by praising this king of kings, this king of heavens, by acknowledging that everything he does is just and true and right, that his judgments are pure, that his ways are perfect. He says this in verse 3, 
How great are his signs. How mighty his wonders. His kingdom is an eternal kingdom. Well, may it come and may his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And his dominion endures from my generation in Babylon to your generation in Sydney. Thirdly, First, he began to praise the king of heaven. Second, he began to declare all of his ways are right and just and pure. And thirdly, he walked in humility. Pride was gone. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and exalt and glorify the king of heaven. Because everything he does is right, and all his ways are just. And those who walk in pride, he is able to humble. And his sanity was restored to him. Could I have our team please come? I want to say this morning to all that are online and to all that are in-house, and it's just so good to be in-house with the family here today, I want to say this, living for the king and his cause is the sanest, soundest, safest, securest way to live your life in a world that is crazy, and in a world that is confused, and then in a world that is full of chaos. Can I say it again? Let me just say it again. Living for the king and his kingdom cause is the sanest, soundest, safest, securest way to live your life. Would you stand with me? When you pray, say, Our Father in heaven. When you pray, say, Hallowed. Hallowed, holy, honored, glory be your name. And when you pray, say, Your kingdom. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Your kingdom, that kingdom of peace where I do not live in a world of anxiety, where I'm exempt from the rage that's happening all around me. That kingdom of hope when when the world feels hopeless and has no answers. You are my hope, and I hold this hope as an anchor to my soul. This kingdom of freedom where darkness and deception are binding and capturing and and holding in captivity. People. People. How many know people are not our enemy? Flesh and blood is not who we are against. People are our neighbor, and we love our neighbor. We love our neighbor. People are our neighbor, and we love our neighbor. We're not standing up here 
throwing stones at anybody. No, no, your kingdom of freedom where the enemy, the dark domain, the demons, the devils, the, the, the wickedness in high places that sit in high government places or high political places or, or wherever, that's what we fight against. That's what we push against. And we preach your kingdom come. And every time we preach the cross or the blood or the name of the Christ, darkness loses ground. I said darkness loses ground. That's our battle. That's our decree. That's why praise is what it is. That's why acknowledging that all the ways of the Lord are right and just. That's why declaring that Jesus died and rose from the dead. Every time we do that, darkness loses ground. And his kingdom comes. And his will is done on earth as it is in heaven. This kingdom of peace. This kingdom of hope. This kingdom of freedom for everyone. And this kingdom of light. And so I'm going to ask you this morning, my family, to stand with me, to join me today as I recommit, as I reaffirm, as I reestablish what my life is all about. It's about a king and a cause. It's about a worship and a witness. This is the sanest, safest, surest, soundest environment to raise your children in, to be married in, to walk to and fro from work in, to come back and forth from that train station in, to go have a cup of coffee and sit down with the big old bowl of spaghetti. This is the best, great, blessed, holy, safest way you can live as you are praising and worshiping God and sharing your witness and sharing your testimony and driving back darkness everywhere you go. Come on, let's praise the Lord this morning. Let's bless the Lord this morning. Let's glorify the Lord this morning. Amen. Amen.